welcome to the After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Connects Education Academy. Our podcast is here to help teachers, leaders and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. Welcome back to your weekly educational podcast from Connects Academy. Joining me today are Andy Bridge, a current deputy head teacher, and Debbie Davis, head teacher of a primary school. Both are experienced SENCOs. We've been looking at the SEN code of practice over the last series of podcasts, and now we're actually going to dive into the EHCP, which is a legal document that provides support for children with SEN until they are 25 years old. In this episode, we explore EHCPs in depth, what they are, what is the application process, how they're written and reviewed, and what do they mean for all educational practitioners. So let's get started. Great, Andy and Debbie, thank you for joining us today. Hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. Hi, pleasure to be here again, Georgie. So can we start by getting a clear understanding of what an EHCP is and why they're so crucial for children with special educational needs? Andy, would you like to start explaining to us? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, you touched upon it then. Um, in your introduction, but an EHCP is a legally binding document in the UK that outlines the support and the provisions that a child with SEN is entitled to receive. So um, whereas levels of SEN below an EHCP, if you like, um, rely on schools and other educational settings, putting things into place uh, of their own volition, if you like, once a child reaches the level where they've got the EHCP, they are legally bound to follow what is in that plan. Um, and the, the brilliant thing about it is it lasts until the child is, well, is no longer a child until they're 25. So it takes them right into adulthood um, and ensures that they're on that pathway to success. Um, and, and they came about as a replacement for the old statement of special educational needs. Um, and, and they were introduced in the Children and Families Act in 2014. Yeah, that, that's exactly right, Andy. EHCPs are designed to ensure that children with special educational needs receive the necessary support and accommodations to help them to thrive academically, socially and emotionally. And it's person-centred, it's a person-centred plan and it takes into account the individual needs and aspirations of, of the child. I think we've summed it up there, really. That sounds like a uh, very comprehensive tool. Can you walk us through the application process then, Debbie, for an EHCP? Of course, Georgie. The, the process typically begins with a request for an EHCP assessment by the child's parent or guardian, um, although not always. And this triggers a comprehensive assessment of the child's needs by professionals, including educational psychologists, teachers, healthcare professionals. And the assessment gathers information about the child's strengths and weaknesses and any additional support that they may require. Um, Andy, do you want to take us through the next steps? And I know that you've engaged in this many times as well. Yeah, of course. So once that assessment process, which is really thorough, um, once that's been completed, it's up to the local authority then, not the school, to decide whether to issue the HCP. And that's sometimes something that confuses parents. They sometimes think, uh, you know, maybe schools are being difficult, schools don't want to um, put these into place. The school are involved in the assessment, but ultimately it's the local authority that decides whether or not to issue the education and healthcare plan. 
if it is approved, um, the next step is to develop the HGP and, and to go through that process of drafting and writing it. And that's really collaborative between um, the SEN workers in the local authority, the school, the parents and carers, other professionals. And the aim is that you get a really comprehensive detailed plan that goes through exactly what the child's specific needs are, what support they require, um, and that they will then be legally entitled to, and what are the outcomes that we're aiming for. Um, the local authority might decide not to issue the HCP, um, at which point there can be appeals and things that I know we're going to talk about in future um, episodes. But if they do decide to issue it, that's the process of, of writing and drafting it that we go through. It sounds like a multidisciplinary approach, sort of with multiple stakeholders gain and, and it, that it's crucial throughout the process. What happens after the EHCP is written then, Debbie? So after it's written, it goes through a review process and the local authority must review the plan at least once a year to ensure it remains appropriate and effective. It's important also that we, we know that parents and the child, if old enough, have an active role in the review process, providing feedback and suggesting any necessary amendments. Would you uh, agree with that, Andy? Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I think the regular reviews, are, they're so essential because we've talked before about children's needs change over time. Um, and if you just stick with the original plan, the likelihood is that the support doesn't end up being effective. Um, so, you know, as the child progresses, you get all those people around the table, you adjust it accordingly, or you make recommendations to adjust it. The local authority then has to accept them. Um, and it can be decided if everyone's in agreement, actually this child no longer needs the HCP. They don't need all these um, legal protections and entitlements because of the progress they've made. Um, but it is very collaborative. There's a lot of stakeholders involved. And um, I said, ultimately, the decision making um, is with the local authority. And I think it's also about involving the parents and, and the child or young person with SEN through through that process as well, doesn't it? What does having an EHCP mean for educational practitioners, Debbie? So education, pra educational practitioners play a vital role in in implementing and supporting the HCP, they've got to have a thorough understanding of the child's plan, including their specific needs, accommodations and targets. And this knowledge helps them to provide appropriate support and tailor their teaching strategies to, to meet the needs of the child. Andy, could you give us an example of, of the, the journey to an EHCP with, with a SEND child that you've, you know, that you've had experience of? Yeah, of course. So, so it would start with the graduated approach, as we've talked about with any child, that plan, do, uh, sorry, assess, plan, do, review cycle. And generally, you'd be looking for at least two cycles of that of evidence that the child's needs are significant and they're not necessarily um, making as much progress as they could based on what the um, provider can provide without the HCP. So we'll document at least two cycles of the graduated approach before we do that HCP assessment and, and put forward the application. Um, as we've said, once they've got the HCP, the recommendations in there should be very specific and precise. And sometimes we, you get HCPs that are quite vague, um, quite woolly about what support should be provided, which isn't very helpful for the, you know, for the child, for the parent or for the school. So we want really precise um, actions in their schools to undertake. Um, and then it's up to the schools to 
to meet the provisions um, that are documented in there. So it, it might specify, for example, uh, a child needs three hours a week of one-to-one -one reading. It might specify that they need a TA with them in, um, I don't know, literacy lessons and history and geography. It could specify that um, in they shouldn't participate in mainstream PE and they might need some one-to-one -one physiotherapy work. So it, it will vary massively depending on what the child's needs are, but there should be some very, very precise recommendations in there um, for the school or the educational setting to provide. And, and then as we talked about before, there's then the review process that the LA and the parents are involved with that must take place at least annually. Um, and, and if you think there's significant concerns, if you think there's significant changes, you can call an early annual review. You don't have to wait that full year. Um, you know, you can call an annual review early to get everybody around that table if you think that there's something pressing that everybody involved in that child's provision needs to be aware of to discuss. Yeah, thank and, you and, so and much, There's such fluid documents as well, um, mm. Georgie. You know, your new, new uh, targets uh, will always be set. There might be new provisions that are given. A child in the process of actually having an EHCP for a number of years might then suddenly receive one-to-one -one support um, <clears throat> for for parts of their learning. So it, everything is completely particular to that child and that child's needs and what they what they will benefit from. Thank you both. That's a really useful discussion. Today we focus on the importance of EHCPs and how they support young people with SEN and receive support until they are 25 years old. In our 11th podcast in this series, we're going to look at children with SEN in specific circumstances. I think today's podcast has been really interesting and it's been hopefully our listeners have found a lot of food for thought here and starting to think about EHCPs in a different light. You can pick up the Afterbell podcast, which are released on a weekly basis and provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational. Access this on your daily commute, on your treadmill or as your focus for the day. Thank you for listening to After the Bell. Mm -hmm.